0: Or simply download the CCCIV app. You'll find the direct link to the app at www.ccciv.org forward slash get the app. Or when you text CCCIV APP to 77977.
1: New Creations knows this. They're not allowed to listen to any radio other than KGBA 100.1. Why? Because the other stations are rock. The other stations have nothing to do with God, nothing to do with his glory, none of that. And so we want minds transformed in new creations. We want them to leave lovers of God, but we would never be able to teach them to be lovers of God if we were listening to stuff that wasn't there. When you turn it to KGB 100.1, every time I jump into the car, it pops on. Sometimes a teaching pops on. Sometimes there's worship music, but I'm covered. If you're listening online, put your radio stations to KGBA 100.1. Bob owes me $100 for that announcement. (laughs) But I'm serious. I'm serious. And, And listen, parents, if you haven't grabbed your kid's cell phone and looked at their playlist, shame on you. Don't let your kids hold you hostage. That's your house. You pay the rent. You pay the mortgage. And, and you've got the right to do that. We did that. And we didn't care if it would cause conflict or anything else. That was secondary because we knew their minds were so important. And the music that the kids listen to today is so far away from God. And yet God gives us this beautiful gift of singing. To sing to Him. How many enjoyed the worship this morning? We don't take that for granted. So what we're singing, the worship leaders, whoever's the worship leader that Sunday, contacts the pastors, and they say, what are you guys singing on? What are you preaching on this, this next week? And they find the passage, they find the theme, whatever, and they find songs that fit that so that not only are you hearing the preaching of God's Word, but you're singing things connected to that to drive the point home. Okay, so we're, we're created to sing physically, we're created to sing mentally, and we're also created to sing spiritually. And this is so important because we, we're not just created for, for the physical. The, you know, we, We've got a soul. How many know we have a soul today? We have a soul that, that is in us. We have the ability to be in the image of God, and we are able to convey emotions like God does. We are able to communicate like God does and everything else. But without that soul, we would be nothing but an animal. In Psalm 71, verse 23, it says, My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you, my soul also, which you have redeemed. How you know when you're singing a song, you know that that just came from the soul? That that just came from the soul. That was more than a mental exercise. That, that struck oil. That Just even like the Gettys, when they came out with In Christ Alone, that, that song, they didn't think it would do what it did, but it swept the country because it was one of the modern uh, hymns that came out during that time, and we sing it a lot, In Christ Alone. And you just know that came from the soul. It didn't come from a mental, b- very different than Mick Jagger. Now I'm dating myself. <laughs> Britney Spears and I don't know who it is today. I'm sorry. I got to stop there. We sing from our soul. God created us with the soul that will live for eternity. It says in chapter two, verse seven of Genesis. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Until that breath of life that God gave him, that soul. The most important part of you is not your brain, it isn't your physical makeup, even though the world tells you that, man, here's where the important thing is, it's all about how I look. As you can tell, I'm not into that. But many people do, they put so much attention on the physical, the physical, and they like the tune, they like the beat. that, you know, you get into a car and, and, and there's still songs I remember. I can drive by a specific area of town where my heroin dealer lived and, and if I'm driving by there, there's certain songs that could pop up at that time that I used to listen to during that, that time of my life. And, and, and that's why worship music is so important. That's why other music is so important. The psalmist shouts for joy and sings praises to God because his soul was saved and redeemed by God. Psalm 84:2, "My soul longs. Yes, faint for the courts of the Lord, My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God." Singing prepares the soul. For an encounter with God. That's why in the Bible, the Old Testament, you have what's called Psalms of Ascent. Psalms 120 to Psalm 134. Go read those. These were the songs that the Israelites would memorize as they were going up to Jerusalem. That's why they're called Psalms of Ascent. Because Jerusalem sits high. It's about 2,400 feet elevation. And so the Jews, when they would go to the feast, that they were required to, wherever they were from all over the world, they would sing these psalms of ascent as they were going. As they were, and, and you know why they were doing that? Because they were preparing their heart and soul for an encounter with God. So God designed us to sing, but God also desires us to sing. This is why we don't waste our voices, no matter how bad of a singer we are. Maybe you're never gonna be on the worship team. I've asked my wife all through the years, can I be on the worship team? She says, no, honey, you're not getting up there. You'll drive people away. And you may not ever be on the worship team, and, and that's okay. But, but if you know, if, if you ask me the question, how do you know God desires me to sing? Well, I would tell you that in the Bible, there's a whole book committed to just songs. It is the, the book of Psalms, and it is the third longest book in the Bible as far as word count, and it's got more chapters than any other book in the Bible. It's got 150 chapters, the book of Psalms, and it's a song book given by God to his people. Every one of those Psalms was written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and if you don't think God desires you to sing your wrong. He's given us so much in His Word. This is why all through Scripture we see God's people singing. It was such an important part of their relationship with the Lord. And God desires you not to come in when the message starts, But to get here, and I realize we got parking issues that that we have to park over at Circle K sometimes and get shuttled over here and it takes a little bit extra time to get in the sanctuary or if you've got kids, you're dropping them off at the different Sunday school classes, things like that. I realize that, but we should plan to be here early enough to begin singing. Because it's that important. God desires us to sing and He desires us to sing together. We're congregational singers, not individual singers. We're congregational singers, not individual singing singers. Our, our, our songs that we sing together unite our hearts together. Listen to Psalm chapter, I mean Acts chapter 2, verses 46, 47. It says, and day by day, this is the first church, birthed in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people get saved, and they just took off running with God. There was no, no brake lights in sight. They just ran with God. And here's what it says of that early church. 3,000 get saved, right? It says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God. Can you imagine the first church praising God together? Because praising God together in a congregation like this unites our hearts together. And I'm going to tell you why in just a moment, but it unites our hearts together. And God is into congregational singing. That's why I say it doesn't matter how bad you sing. If the Person next to you can't sing. Get a restraining order or something on them. I don't care. But, 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 but go somewhere else. Move over here and sing. And sing. And sing because God wants us singing as a congregation. And I believe that there's much evidence today that backs that up. In fact, I read an article in Time Magazine's website. And here's what the title was. This is Time Magazine. I'm not a Christian Magazine by far, you guys know that. It says, um, the article was entitled, Singing Changes the Brain. The subtitle of the article said, Group singing has been scientifically proven to lower stress, relieve anxiety, and elevate endorphins. This is group singing now they're talking about. The article itself opens with these words, listen to this. When you sing, musical vibrations move through you, altering your physical and emotional landscape. Group singing, for those who have done it, is the most exhilarating and transformative of all. Now the reason I'm bringing, this is science. This is science. We know what the Bible says, but science will always back up what the Bible says. The article went on to say this. As popularity of group singing grows, science has been hard at work trying to explain why it has such a calming yet energizing effect on people. What researchers are beginning to discover is that singing is like an infusion of the perfect tranquilizer, the kind that both soothes your nerves and elevates your spirits. Time Magazine. Science. We shouldn't be surprised. God... Talks about singing, talks about us singing in a group. And here's the other thing you need to understand. We are confessional singers, not professional singers. We are confessional singers, not professional singers. And this is what I mean by that. When we sing, it is a confession of what we believe. Do you realize that there's people in our church that have visited here? And they have come up to me. They're not saved. and they, Like an Easter Sunday or something, they've come up and they've said, man, the singing was so powerful. And I, I will usually say something along the lines of this. I'm glad you enjoyed the songs. Did you catch the words? Because the words are the confession of what we believe. We don't just sing to make you feel good. And you don't just sing to make yourself feel good. We sing as a confession of our faith, and it is a witness to so many people out there. When I first got saved 28 years ago, I was in a drug rehab. I I mean, not 28 years ago. It's been 30, I think. But I was 28 years old at the time. So, no, it was 10 years ago because I'm 38 now. So... But when I, was 20, when I was 28 years old, and, and we, I was in a small place in Pacific Beach. It was behind a church. It used to be, I think, where um, some of the workers of the church used to live. Teen Challenge took over the church, and we lived in these dorms. And there was about 12 to 15 of us guys. And one of the requirements was to go into chapel every morning, and we had to do a devotional. But we also had to sing. Now envision this, 12 to 15 guys just off meth, coke, heroin, and, and we didn't have music. We didn't have music. And we were, re- we were required to sing. And people would, you know, like your roommates are like, wasn't that powerful today and things like that? And I look back on it and I said, man, that was horrible singing. But already singing those songs? One of the earliest songs I learned is still my favorite today. It's a confession of what I believe. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my pardon, this I see. Do you realize what that means? When you stand before God, instead of being accountable for all of your sin, you were pardoned of that. For my pardon, this I see, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And those songs meant something to me. And they still do. Do you ever wonder why the Bible oftentimes will say, make a joyful noise to the Lord? It says it numerous times. It doesn't say, make a joyful melody to the Lord. Because really, some of you really are just making noise. But, But as long as it's joyful, right? He doesn't say, he says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. And I know even though I'm not a professional singer, and I believe that our worship team if you look at the worship team and you hear how they sing, I believe many of them could be qualified as professional singers. But see, they're not there to perform for us. They're there to lead us in singing. So it bothers me when I walk into churches and people are leaning on the seats and maybe some of them are sitting kicked back with a Starbucks and they're just drinking their coffee and they're looking at the singers as if that's their job to perform for you on Sunday mornings, and it isn't. They know that. The worship team comes out, and they put in hours of practice. They come here Thursday nights, and they practice. They come here early Sunday mornings, maybe before even some of you are, are awakened, and they, they, they practice to prepare for Sunday morning because they want to sound the best they can for you and for the Lord because we do all things in excellence but they realize they're not performers. There's a difference in being a performer. Go, go to a concert if you want that, but don't come to church for that. You're a congregational singer. You're a confessional singer. We enter in and we begin to sing what we believe. What we sing is more important than how we sing. Do you realize that? That the song, the words that we sing are, are more important than how good we are. And, and that's why when you sing and you enter in, and even though you don't have a great voice, do you realize that's sticking to your mind? You're, you're, you're making a confession of what you believe. It's a witness for those who may even be here this morning that aren't saved. And if you're here for the first time and you're visiting, we invite you to come to the Lord. But, but we do everything here for the glory of God. And it's a witness of what we believe when we sing about the Lord or salvation or what He's delivered us from. It's all about Him. There's churches right now that are removing things like blood. from their, They say it's too offensive. They're, they're removing God. He's, he's referred to as He. And they're, they're putting in gender-neutral terms and they're, they're jacking Scripture up. They're doing other stuff. And they don't realize, wait a minute, your songs that you sing are not for the people it's to bring the people into singing what they believe in the Bible. That's what it's about. It's never for comfort. And so that's very important that we understand that we're confessional singing and, and we're, we're stating our beliefs and the content of those songs is so important. You remember when Paul and uh, Silas were arrested in, in uh, Philippi? There they are in the book of Acts, Acts 16, and they're, they're preaching the gospel and they get arrested. And while they're arre- arrested, it says about midnight, they started to pray and they started to sing. They, they were singing there and then all of a sudden an earthquake comes. And it shakes them up and everything else. And the jailer gets saved and you have to ask yourself, what was Paul and Silas singing? And we know later on Paul writes an epistle to that very place. It's called Philippians. If you were to turn in your Bible to Philippians, that epistle, that book in the Bible was written to the, the church in Philippi where they were in jail. And Philippians chapter 2 is interpreted by almost every scholar as an early hymn. And here's what it says, Philippians chapter 2, because you may just read over it and you may not even think that the people were singing this. But in Philippians chapter 2 verses 6 to 11 says, who though he was in the form of God, speaking of Christ, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That was a song they used to sing. And when that jailer got converted, I wonder if that's what they were singing. See, because the content of our songs when you leave church should have drawn you closer to God and who He is and what He's like. Not further, but closer to God. So the content, it isn't even about the beat. It isn't about what are the words that are being spoken. And that's why it's bad. The secular music right now, because they're pulling in kids because of the, the beat and everything else, and they're, 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 the worst kind of things are getting into their minds. They should be listening to Christian worship songs, our kids. The third thing I want to say is God delights in our singing. That's your third and final point. What does God think about our singing? How does God respond to our singing? And there's an interesting verse that I've heard interpreted different ways, but I don't think they nail it just right. But Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17 says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. There's two things you need to see there in that verse. One, that God's singing is an expression of His joy. We sometimes forget that God has feelings like you and I, that they're displayed, that there's joy, there's anger, there's happy. You know, all through the Bible, you see these emotions of the Lord His anger is righteous, His compassion, His love, His mercy we're made in the image of God, we're to display those things. But joy is one of the things, and, and, you know, He expresses that. The Lord expresses joy. When we read Luke 15, there's a parable that Jesus tells, and it's about a woman who lost a coin. And she sweeps the house clean, she's looking all over for the coin because it's so valuable, and she finally finds the coin, and she rejoices with her friends. And here's what it says in Luke 15, verse 10. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now listen to me. Even in the Greek, it doesn't say the angels are rejoicing there. It says there's joy before the angels of God. And you have to ask yourself, well, if it isn't the angels, who is it? Well, it's God. God's rejoicing, God's rejoicing, there's joy. And so this verse in Zephaniah 3.17 about the Lord exulting over us with loud singing is an expression of His joy for you and me. But here's the other thing I want you to see about this. It falls in the midst of a unit. And the unit begins with chapter 3 verse 14, three verses earlier, it says... Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. God's singing parallels the singing of his people. It begins with his people singing, and then that short unit ends with God singing over us. Isn't that cool? Can you imagine? I mean, just put that in your mind and your heart right now. When you come into worship, you may have never thought about that before, and I've heard different interpretations of Zephaniah 3, verse 17, but it is what it is. And I interpret it as that literally, God singing with joy. Jesus sang God in the flesh. Do you realize that? That he sang. He went to the temple many times, and he would enter into the singing there. But when one of the most important events took place... In his ministry was when he transformed the, Lord's, uh, the Passover into the Lord's Supper. And after he did that, it says they all went out and sang a hymn. Singing, so important.
0: Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. our website at www.ccciv.org or simply download the ccciv app. You'll find the direct link to the app at www.ccciv.org forward slash get the app or when you text ccciv app to 77977.